0: Namibia's premier business show. This is The Business Report on NOVA 1035.
1: Welcome to The Business Report on Thursday, the 1st of February. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. In the lead story, I speak to Ulrich Hansen from WinWin Namibia about their marketing campaign for Namport and how recent developments in the shipping industry will impact both them and their client going forward. In the spotlight, Limey finds out more about Trusco Group Deputy CEO Quentin Fenroyen Jr. And in Ghostbiz, Gary and the Ghost talk about Lewis Stores, Trueworths, Checkers, Transaction Capital, and We Buy Cars, and why Microsoft is the Ghost's favorite share. But first, let's get a quick update of the top business stories of the day in the Biz News Update.
0: Here's a look at some of today's trending business stories. Biz News on The Business Report.
2: Business is brought to you by Ashburton Investments. Fully invested to help your assets grow.
0: Growing the economy together.
2: Business.
3: With your business. I'm Tonata Sustainable Power Solutions is leading a 200 million Namibia dollar investment in a 10 megawatt solar power plant to supply gold producer B2 Gold. The project will be implemented under NAMPower's modified single buyer framework that allows independent power producers to sell power directly to regional distributors. FB Ebucks has partnered with Spa, one of the leading food retailers in the region. From February, FNB private Client, Clients In SA, private wealth and RMB private bank clients will earn up to 15% back in e-bucks when they shop in-store at spa, super spa, quick spa and tops. Hopefully it trickles down to our country as well. Then South Africa's largest poultry producer, Astral Foods, will bounce back to profitability in the half-year to March 31st as the impact of the country's devastating bird flu outbreak and power cuts wanes, it said on Wednesday. And Adidas plans to sell the remaining stock of Yeezy techies from its defunct partnership with Kanye West for at least cost price. Taking a look at your latest financial indicators. The Namibia dollar is trading at 1876 to the US dollar, 2028 to the euro, and 2370 to the British pound. Gold is trading at 2031 US dollars, 59 cents a fine ounce, while Brent crude oil costs $80.55 a barrel. I'm Tonata Kavila. Stay tuned for more updates.
2: BizNews was brought to you by Ashburton Investments. Speak to your financial advisor or visit us at ashburtoninvestments.com. About investing with Ashburton. A snapshot
0: of some of today's biggest business stories. Biz news on the Business Report. Today's biggest business story. The Future Media News Team speaks to the people at the heart of it political intrigue, results, currency and crypto, mining and green hydrogen, and and so much much more. Tune in on Nova 1035 on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. with repeats at 5.30 the following morning to stay up to date with the biggest stories in Namibia,
2: The lead story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, Insight, Advice,
1: Impact. Welcome to the Business Report. Tonight I'm speaking to Ulrich Hansen from Win Win Namibia. Good evening, Ulrich. Hey, good evening, David. How are you doing? Good, thanks. And you? Great stuff. We can't complain. So let's start off then with uh, who you are. Maybe not you personally
4: as Ulrich, but uh, as Win Win Namibia. Right. Uh, That's always an interesting question. So Win Win came to market in 206 in november um obviously looking at the industry then we were looking at what do we do different we don't just want to be an advertising agency Mm. we based ourselves on this premise we don't just do the beautiful pictures so we came into the market saying okay fresh different we brought brand activation as a medium into the market um I've always loved the quote by Love Mombigi saying, in Africa, you can't affect change with a memo. So we, we looked at it and we said, but advertising is so Eurocentric, you know, mm-hmm. it's memos and memos and memos. Is it in tune with the African way of doing things? So we brought in a big activations team. We actually employed theater and drama graduates Mm. about eight to ten of them uh we were lucky that we landed these uh, at that stage they were called cell one we landed Mm -hmm. that client and we traveled throughout the country with these with this particular team literally taking people's mobile phones putting new sim cards in (laughs) and saying how about you give this a go you know Mm. (laughs) so you can see our our thinking was was totally was totally different yeah guerrilla advertising (laughs) exactly um Personally, I have a big passion for market research, and it's one of the issues in Namibia is that we don't have facts and figures Mm. that we can just pull saying, oh, this is import ratios, that's export ratios. So WinWin started to become this flowery mixture of taking, collecting data, taking this data and just finding new ways to to get into the market spaces. Okay. So... The reason that uh,
1: I got in touch with you guys to talk to you is because I saw your really interesting Namport campaign.
4: How did you come to represent Namport? Right. So that that's a quick, that's an interesting one. <laughs> so um, we were off doing a brand audit for Namport because that's, you know, as I said, data and research mm. collection is one of my passions. So we were off doing this brand audit for them. Um, and then they put out this RFQ saying, look, we're launching the new container terminal. Um I think the first thing that appealed to me was the size of the investment that was made in the project. I mean, mm-hmm. We were talking about four point two billion Namibian dollars, and I was like, "Wow, okay, that's a good amount." <laughs> 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 we so we we entered the process through pu- public procurement. Started to we won the pitch. We started to negotiate, speak to the client, and I realized that wow, this is actually. You know, I, uh, it's only when you start to look at these clients and you get all of the data sets mm-hmm. together and you realize, wow, we're actually blessed with such our positioning makes that we should actually be ruling trade in SADC mm-hmm. in particular and not just in SADC, in Africa, basically. Uh, so, yeah, long and short, that's how we got in um, so I've watched one of your videos. I mean I've, I've
1: been to Wolfs. I've seen the new terminals from you know different sides driving into town uh from the sort of yacht club side of town from the water on the boats and everything. And you look at it and you you see it's massive. Uh, but watching the video that you guys had sort of the time-lapse of reclaiming land from the ocean it Brings it into a whole new perspective. So uh, tell us a bit about what the campaign for Namport actually entailed.
4: Right. So so the whole campaign was based op- upon this premise that we want to become Africa's express hub to prosperity. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, we're talking about Namibia in, mm-hmm. in general. Like I'm saying, if you look at geographically how we position, whether it's the Americas, whether it's Europe, uh, whether it's Asia, we just have sort of direct, you have direct access mm. both into SADC as well as out of SADC basically. And I think exactly what you mentioned now, what appealed to me is it's this small corner of the world where it looks like nothing is mm. happening. But if you look at the value of the trade that flows in and out of that window, then it's just a, a wow story. Obviously, the land reclamation was one of the the first big things that Appeal to all of us saying, wow, there was nothing. And all of a the sudden, there's this massive infrastructure where, I mean, the, the amount of containers that they, that they can process and the trade value of that cargo that goes through there is billions and billions mm-hmm. of, of dollars, basically. And you look at that and you say, whoa, from nothing to this, it's absolutely stunning. And I think a lot of times as Namibians, we don't celebrate those achievements. You know, had we been anywhere else in the world, you're, Every country would have been just sh- screaming and mm. shouting, this is what we do. But I think the international community likes us because of that humbleness that we have, you know, where um, I think there's about two or three places in the world, especially uh, Southeast Asia, where re- land reclamation is being done on mm. this scale. But that's about it. And we are head on head with those countries then
1: you talk about not singing our praises uh, was your campaign more of an international focus though to attract foreigners here uh, you know we we haven't really seen much of that sort of internal praise singing and and, and advertising for namport within the country
4: yeah uh, that's that's what i call the blessing and the curse of being namibian mm. <laughs> so if you look at it um with 3.5 million people mm. it's speculated that 3.5 3.5 million people yeah, we'll wait for in the country <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um there's not, there's only that much you can do. I mean, to scale it, if you look at uh, Soweto, 12 million people, mm. the entire country of Namibia, 3.5 <laughs> million people. Okay. So, uh, what, what happens is because of the scale, we need to get access to other markets. Mm. So, now if you look at Zambia, if you look at uh, DRC, if you look at Congo, those are really the markets. These are the guys that feel the effect. Of the service that we deliver as this as this small country, mm. basically, so like I'm saying, it's a blessing and a curse because and because of that scale, we can move fast. Mm. And what's the one thing you want in trade? You don't want delays. You don't <laughs> want you don't want congestion. Yeah, you know, we, we saw that last <laughs> year with Durban. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's the blessing, although it's a curse. And as a result, we can't really blow ourselves up in, internally. Mm. It's it's merely a question of scales of economy, basically.
1: Okay. Uh, so one other question, though, we're talking about the container terminal in Wolfus Bay. Does the campaign for NAMPORT include Ludritz in any way?
4: Right. At, at this stage, the emphasis is simply on the the new port uh, container terminal, basically. Um, interestingly, I mean, this um, started in 2017. It really boomed in 2019. Ludritz was not... As big yeah. on the cards right now. And obviously things things are starting to change. And um I can sort of foresee that I think Lutheritz will have to invest in a container uh terminal similar to that mm. or even bigger. Quite and I think that's around the corner to okay. to happen. Yeah. Um just a quick fact. Um funny enough. Currently the container terminal is only at twenty percent capacity. Sure. However, that's already a, mm. a, a, a a massive figure that you're talking about volumes wise. But it shows you that I think it's worthwhile that we invested, that the country invested so much in it and you can see the steady incline basically.
1: So we know with, with agencies and clients, you know, there, there is a pitch process that, that repeats. Uh, you're not always guaranteed of, of business for eternity, but... Saying that you guys do stay on for the long term, what is that long term strategy for the campaign for Namport uh, and how, you know, how to sort of get Namport onto that global map?
4: Look, um, keeping all fingers crossed, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, should this continue in that direction? Obviously, from a strategic perspective, I have always said. It's important that we don't just import creative ideas into Namibia, but we get onto a platform where, where we can start to mm. export. I honestly believe Namport is the ideal client to allow us to materialise that dream. Um, another principle that I have is that you have to start in your own backyard. So I can foresee Namport becoming a regional player first and most foremost, dominating the SADC market, and then glo- and gradually then getting into the global mm. arena, basically.
1: So I know that you don't represent Namport specifically, you know, from a company, you know, point of view and, and right. their strategies and their business decisions. But how would your strategy of representing Namport, you know, how how may it have or already have or, or may have to uh, be changed due to the recent
4: events affecting world shipping? We're seeing a lot more traffic. Yep. No, we, we, we're definitely seeing... A hell of a lot more traffic in, in 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 that regard, but look our strategy is always to play local but be able to be recognized on an international scale now obviously um as an expansion part would have thought that, you know what, should they continue on this route, it gives Win-Win Namibia the opportunity to start to play into that international domain, you know, and grow with them into, into that domain, creating, pardon the pun, a win-win scenario. To listen to the full interview, go to the podcast
2: page on futuremedia.com.na. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, Insight, Advice, Impact. That was today's lead
0: story. A closer look at one of the biggest issues making the news today. Make sure you don't miss any of our features by looking out for our podcasts on futuremedianews.com.na. ancient desert and endless coastline and vistas namibians understand the value of time at ashburton investments our local team combines international capabilities and proven strategies with local commitment and insights to deliver quality returns over time Visit ashburtoninvestments.com or speak to your financial advisor about investing with Ashburton. Ashburton Investments is a member of the First Rand Namibia Group and registered with Namfisa. The Spotlight is a weekly feature on The Business Report. It aims to recognize those amongst us who have changed the course of Namibian business, politics and society in general. We find out what makes them tick and learn more about their journey. This is their story on The Spotlight.
5: It is another episode of the Business Report, the Spotlight Feature. We, we actually get to meet and have conversations with prominent and influential Namibians doing amazing things for our country. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the show today uh, Quentin van Royen Jr. He tells me he goes by QZ, which I really like. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the Spotlight Feature.
6: Limey, thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
5: Well, let's start from the very beginning. If you, could, if you could just tell us about yourself, where did it all start for you, your family life, the basics?
6: You wouldn't believe it, but um, this Namibian is uh, born in a small little town called Otivarongo in 86. So uh, born, bred in, in Namibia, um, went to public schools, went to High School in Wintouk, in Eros Primary, Um, And, you know, as most of the country then do at that stage, we went looking for tertiary education outside of the borders, Um, did a seven-year stint at University of Pretoria, um, did a legal degree and a commerce degree there, and obviously started finding myself in in business circles there and ended up back in Namibia, you know, fast forward 20 years after that, um, back in Namibia after studying and, and, you know, working at the family business.
5: And here you are today, the deputy CEO of Trusco Group. I love that you are through and through in Namibia. Ochi Varongo, High School, that's 110% Namibian.
6: I tell you, it doesn't get more than Namibian than that, and I'm super proud of it.
5: So, one thing I know is that you do have um, passions outside of the workplace, that you are an athlete, um, working out is just a part of who you are, your DNA. Can you tell us more about your passions outside of the workplace?
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. Activity, physical activity, sports, you know, any, anything that, that gets harder going has always been a huge passion of mine. School was the basics, you know, you played rugby because that's what you were told to do, you play rugby, you know, especially in, in Winter High School. And then into varsity I started getting a bit more into weightlifting and, and that type of stuff. And then when I came back to Namibia, um, I was introduced to the CrossFit sensation and I absolutely loved it. I started professionally competing in CrossFit, made it all the way to the CrossFit Games. I think at one stage I was 37th or 36th rank in the world with CrossFit and then, you know, did that for five or six years and, and then I found a passion for riding motorbikes. Um, and the last four or five years I've been competing in, in enduro uh, motocross riding, have done several international events. Um, I'm the current Namibia national champ. And um, I just generally enjoy sports and, you know, the objective nature of getting measured in it. Um, So, absolutely love love sports and then family.
5: That's fantastic. So, for those who are listening, and if you don't understand what the CrossFit Games are, it is almost an impossibility to get into. These are human beings who basically push themselves to the very limit, the fittest in the world, and to be ranked number 36th at one point. I mean, that is almost... What an achievement. Congratulations on that.
6: Thanks, Lammy. Thanks.
5: All right. So um, here you were. You joined the family business. You are the deputy CEO of Trusco Group. I have to ask you this question. What's your favorite part of your job? What's your favorite part of being a Trusconian? Is that correct?
6: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, if, if I can, let me, let me touch on how did I get into the family business? Because mm-hmm. I've been formally employed at the family business now for 15 years. But uh, entrepreneurship and, and, and business has been obviously in, in the Van rain household from the day I opened my eyes and my first memories and recollections of business was as a young toddler going with my, my father to business meetings. Um, so there was, I don't think there was any other Path planned um, or intentionally that I would end up in Trasco, um, but I've been so part of the Trasco culture and the family businesses that you know, formerly fifteen years there, but for the better part of twenty-five or thirty years, I've been involved in some shape or form with with the the family business. Um, I must say, one of my favorite parts of of the family business is is the personal satisfaction that comes with it. If you can produce something amazing, and especially in a Namibian context, you know that we're a proud Namibian company, born and bred in Namibia. Everything is local. I mean, if we can contribute and when we do contribute positively to the Namibian business landscape, the Namibian economy, that's a really fulfilling.
5: Mm. Wow. Well said. So our final question today here on the Spotlight feature, and thank you so much for taking the time out for us to get to know you better. Being a through and through Namibian and here you are carving and mapping out your own legacy. Um, so one day, many years from now, what would you like your legacy to have been before the Trasco Group?
6: You know, speaking about legacy questions before you reach the age of forty is a an uncommon question. I can tell you mm-hmm. that because I think I've got another sixty years left in me. By the way, Cut I feel off. today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Limey, I'm I'm a little bit more down to earth. Um, I don't I don't feel so much to do or to be the biggest and the best and and you know to be so much in the spotlight. What I like is is the um, solidity and the going. Constant going forward and building blocks, put one after the other. Um, my legacy, if I if I can if I can be at such a young age, start so talking about that question, would be to whatever I leave behind must be bulletproof for the next generation to take forward.
5: Well, that's certainly how we ended on that note. Quentin from Junior, thank you so much for taking the time out for us on the spotlight feature this evening. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: It's time for your weekly look at some of the hot stocks on the JSE and things affecting the South African and sometimes Namibian economy with expert analysis by The
2: Finance Ghost. Ghost Biz is proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you.
7: Welcome to this week's edition of Ghost Biz, where we're going to take a look at what's going on. Uh, on the markets, uh, both uh, in Southern Africa as well as uh, around the world. And uh, joining us, as always, is the finance
8: ghost. Welcome, ghost. Thank you, Gary. Always good to be here. I believe you are up in Joburg, so not the usual uh, Namibia Cape Town axis that we specialize in.
7: No, no, no. The, the, the axis is shifting. It's now a triangle because <laughs> Ray, the producer, is sitting in Quintuque at the moment. Let's uh, start out with um, uh, we're going from ghosts to aliens. And this is, uh, we started with Lewis. Um, And uh, telling, uh, when we look at results, that even though there's some growth in those markets, that it is highly reliant on having access to credit uh, and UFO, one of Lewis's brands that uh, you uh, interestingly titled an unpleasant UFO sighting. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on there.
8: Yeah, so the unpleasantry around UFO is that they rely on cash sales and that's not where you want to be right now. Unfortunately, South African consumers are getting absolutely smashed. So... It's the old story. You still need to buy stuff to live, but unfortunately, then you just keep ramping up the credits and kind of hoping and hoping for the best. So it is a little bit of a ticking time bomb. And I think we've seen that theme coming through in some of the retailer updates. We've had a whole bunch of updates actually dealing with the end of last year. But this particular one deals with Lewis, and that's obviously the furniture retailer. Well, that's what it's best known for, certainly. And for the nine months to December, the group revenue growth was 8.7%, which is actually not bad, right? But the star here was other revenue, which is stuff like interest income, insurance revenue. So all the stuff other than just making a margin on selling you a bed, that source of income was up 15.2% over the period. The actual sales of furniture were were pretty light, to be honest. So, group merchandise sales only up 4.2%. Lewis, Bears, and Best Home and Electric, that was up 6.6%. And UFO was down 14.5%. And there, the point is that UFO, that's the cash sales business, whereas the rest of the group is very dependent on credit sales. So... You know, they are managing to sell on credit, but cash sales are just not there. Obviously, on stuff like furniture, that is a little bit more understandable. It's a more durable purchase. This is historically a retail category that depends on selling on credit in order to make money, but it does still tell you something about South African consumers.
7: So, I mean, another another um, retailer that's exposed to credit sales is, is TrueWords, um, and their credit sales look pretty flat at the moment, and typically those companies are oh, pretty generous with their credit rating, certainly if I look at what they keep telling me I'm allowed to spend. um, Tell us a little bit more about Truett's.
8: Yeah, so credit sales pretty much flat and then cash sales down 0.9%. So we've now pretty much rounded out all of the apparel retailers for the end of last year. And it looks like Mr. Price and the Fashini Group uh, got the lion's share at the end of last year. But these year on year movements can also be very misleading because they can change a lot depending on the base effect, i.e., how good the previous period was. And for example, Mr. Price had a pretty terrible end to 2022. They were woefully underprepared for load shedding. So the end to 2023 looks better year on year. Uh, TrueWoods is kind of the other way around. They actually did very well at the end of 2022. So they were up against a pretty big base effect, particularly in South Africa. So their local business, TrueWoods Africa, it only you know actually experienced a decrease in sales of 0.3% for the 26 weeks to 31 December, which is not what you want to see. But as I say, the base effect is big there. What was really interesting is their UK business actually did really well. So, you know, for all of the clothing retailers that have done offshore acquisitions and in many cases really hurt shareholders along the way, it's quite exciting to see that their business in the UK, it's called Office, that grew sales by 15.6% and that's in pounds. So, obviously, you know, once you translate that into rands, it's like 7 billion percent. And, uh, you know, that's quite nice. So, in this case, it actually helped to have the the offshore exposure. In all jokes aside, you translate it to rands, you get to 33 percent growth.
0: To listen to the full interview, go to the podcast page on
2: futuremedia.com.na. Ghostbiz was proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Visit ijg.net for more information.
0: That was The Business Report on NOVA 1035. Listen to all these segments and previous episodes with our podcast service on futuremedianews.com.na. The Business Report is a Future Media News production. With input from Michelle von Weig, Gary Strubel, David Bishop, and Raymond Seafelt. Comments and questions can be sent to
7: tbr at nova.com.na.